Section 6 of the Natural History, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read for you by Chiquito Craster. The Natural History, Volume 4 by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 6. Chapter 51 which trees become old with the greatest rapidity and which most slowly there are great differences also in trees in respect to age the almond and the pear are the most fruitful when old which is the case also with the glandiferous trees and a certain species of fig others again are most prolific when young though the fruit is later in coming to maturity a thing particularly to be observed in the vine for in those that are old the wine is of better quality, while the produce of the younger trees is given in greater abundance. The apple tree becomes old very early, and the fruit which it produces when old is of inferior quality, being of smaller size and very liable to be attacked by maggots. Indeed, these insects will breed in the tree itself. The fig is the only one of all the fruit trees that is submitted to any process with a view of expediting the ripening of the fruit. A marvellous thing indeed that a greater value should be set upon produce that comes out of its proper season. All trees which bear their fruit before the proper time become prematurely old. Indeed, some of them wither and die all of a sudden, being utterly exhausted by the too favourable influence of the weather, a thing that happens to the vine more particularly. On the other hand, the mulberry becomes aged but very slowly and is never exhausted by its crops. Those trees, too, the wood of which is variegated, arrive at old age, but slowly. The palm, the maple, and the poplar, for instance. Trees grow more rapidly when the earth is ploughed and loosened about the roots. Forest trees at a later period. Speaking in general terms, we may say that care employed in the culture of trees seems to promote their fertility, while increased fertility accelerates old age. Hence it is that the carefully tended trees are the first to blossom and the first to bud, in a word are the most precocious in every respect. But all natural productions which are in any way weakened are most susceptible of atmospheric influences. Chapter 52. Trees which bear various products. Crategum. Many trees bear more than one production, a fact which we have already mentioned when speaking of the glandiferous trees. In the number of these there is the laurel, which bears its own peculiar kind of grape, and more particularly the barren laurel, which bears nothing else, for which reason it is looked upon by some persons as the male tree. The filbert, too, bears catkins, which are hard and compact, but of no use whatever. But it is the box tree that supplies us with the greatest number of products, not only its seed, but a berry also, known by the name of crateigum, while on the north side it produces mistletoe, and on the south, high fear, two products of which I shall shortly have to speak more at length. Sometimes, indeed, this tree has all four of these products growing upon it at the same moment. Chapter 53. Differences in trees in respect of the trunks and branches. Some trees are of a simple form, and have but a single trunk, rising from the root, together with numerous branches, such as the olive, for instance, the fig, and the vine. Others, again, are of a shrubby nature, such as the palurus, the myrtle, and the filbert, which last, indeed, is all the better, 
and the more abundant its fruit, the more numerous its branches. In some trees, again, there is no trunk at all, as is the case with one species of box, and the lotus of the parts beyond sea. Some trees are bifurcated, while there are some that branch out into as many as five parts. Others, again, divide in the trunk, but have no branches, as in the case of the elder, while others have no division in the trunk, but throw out branches such as the pitch tree, for instance. In some trees, the branches are symmetrically arranged, the pitch tree and the fir, for example, while with others they are dispersed without any order or regularity, as in the robur, the apple, and the pear. In the fir, the branches are thrown out from the trunk straight upwards, pointing to the sky, and not drooping downwards from the sides of the trunk. It is a singular thing, but this tree will die if the ends of its branches are cut, though if taken altogether, no bad effect is produced. If it is cut too, below the place where the branches were, the part of the tree which is left will continue to live, but if on the other hand the top only of the tree is removed, the whole of it will die. Some trees again throw out branches from the roots, the elm for example, while others are branchy at the top, the pine for instance, and the lotus or Grecian bean, the fruit of which, though wild, resembles the cherry very closely, and is called the lotus at Rome on account of its sweetness. For sheltering houses these trees are more particularly esteemed, as they throw out their branches to a considerable distance from a short trunk, thus affording a very extensive shade, and very frequently encroaching upon the neighbouring mansions. There is no tree, however, the shade afforded by which is less long-lived than this, and when it loses its leaves in winter, it affords no shelter from the sun. No tree has a more sightly bark, or one which has greater attractions for the eye, or branches which are longer, stouter, or more numerous. Indeed, one might almost look upon them as forming so many trees. The bark of it is used for dyeing skins and the root for colouring wool. The branches of the apple tree have a peculiar conformation. Knots are formed which resemble the muzzles of wild beasts, several smaller ones being united to a larger. Chapter 54 The Branches of Trees Some of the branches are barren and do not germinate. This takes place either from a natural deficiency of strength, or else some injury received in consequence of having been cut, and the cicatrix impeding the natural functions. The same that the branch is in the tree that spread out is the eye in the vine and the joint in the reed. All trees are naturally the thickest in the parts that are nearest the ground, the fir, the larch, the palm, the cypress and the elm, and indeed every tree that has but a single trunk, develop themselves in their remarkable height. Among the branchy trees the cherry is sometimes found to yield a beam forty cubits in length by two in thickness throughout. Some trees divide into branches from the very ground as in the apple tree, for example. Chapter 55. The Bark of Trees In some trees the bark is thin, as in the laurel and the lime. In others, again, it is thick, as in the robur. In some it is smooth, as in the apple and the fig, while in the robur and the palm it is rough. In all kinds it becomes more wrinkled when the tree is old. In some trees the bark bursts spontaneously, as in the vine, for instance, while in others it falls off even, as we see in the apple and the arbutus. In the cork tree and the poplar, the bark is substantial and fleshy. In the vine and the reed, it is membraneous. In the cherry, it is similar to the coats of the papyrus, while in the vine, the lime and the fir, it is composed of numerous layers. In others, again, it is single.
the fig and the reed, for instance. Chapter 56. The Roots of Trees There are great differences, too, in the roots of trees. In the fig, the robur, and the plane, they are numerous. In the apple, they are short and thin, while in the fir and the larch, they are single. And by this single root is the tree supported, although we find some small fibres thrown out from it laterally. They are thick and unequal in the laurel and the olive, in which last they are branchy also, while in the robur they are solid and fleshy. The robur, too, throws its roots downwards to a very considerable depth. Indeed, if we are to believe Virgil, the Aesculus has a root that descends as deep into the earth as the height to which the trunk ascends in the air. The roots of the olive, the apple, and the cypress creep almost upon the very surface. In some trees they run straight and horizontally, as in the laurel and the olive, while in others they have a sinuous course, the fig, for example. In some trees the roots are bristling with small filaments, as in the fir, and many of the forest trees. The mountaineers cut off these fine filaments, and weave with them very handsome flasks and various other articles. Some writers say that the roots of trees do not descend below the level to which the sun's heat is able to penetrate which of course depends upon the nature of the soil, whether it happens to be thin or dense. This, however, I look upon as a mistake, and in fact we find it stated by some authors that a fir was transplanted, the roots of which had penetrated eight cubits in depth, and even then the whole of it was not dug up, it being torn asunder. The citrus has a root that goes the very deepest of all, and is of great extent. Next after it comes the plain, the robur, and the various glandiferous trees. In some trees, the laurel for instance, the roots are more tenacious of life the nearer they are to the surface. Hence when the trunk withers it is cut down, and the tree shoots again with redoubled vigour. Some think that the shorter the roots are, the more rapidly the tree decays, a supposition which is plainly contradicted by the fig, the root of which is among the very largest, while the tree becomes aged at a remarkably early period. I regard also as incorrect what some authors have stated as to the roots of trees diminishing when they are old. For I once saw an ancient oak uprooted by a storm, the roots of which covered a jugurum of ground. Chapter 57 Trees which have grown spontaneously from the ground It is a not uncommon thing for trees when uprooted to receive new strength when replanted, the earth about their roots forming a sort of cicatrix there. This is particularly the case which the plain which from the density of its branches presents a remarkably broad surface to the wind. When this happens, the branches are cut off, and the tree thus lightened is replaced in its furrow. This too has also been done before now with the walnut, the olive, and many others. 32. We have many instances cited also of trees falling to the ground without there being any storm or other perceptible cause, but merely by way of a portentous omen, and then rising again of themselves. A prodigy of this nature happened with the Simri, at New Syria, in the grove consecrated to Juno, an elm inclined to such a degree, even after the top had been cut off, as to overhang the altar there. But it afterwards recovered itself to such an extent as to blossom immediately. It was from that very moment, too, that the majesty of the Roman people began to flourish once again, after it had been laid low by disaster and defeat. A similar circumstance is said to have taken place also at Philippi, where a willow which had fallen down and the top of which had been taken off rose again, and at Stagira in the museum, there, where the same thing occurred to a white poplar, 
all which events were looked upon as favourable omens. But what is the most wonderful of all is the fact that a plain at Anthandrus resumed its original position, even after its sides had been rough-hewn all around with adze, and took root again. It was a tree fifteen cubits long, and four ulnai in thickness. Chapter 58. How trees grow spontaneously, diversities in their nature, the same trees not growing everywhere. The trees which we owe to nature are produced in three different ways, spontaneously, by seed sown, or by a slip which throws out a root. Art has multiplied the methods of reproduction, as we shall have occasion to state in its own appropriate book. At present our sole object is the operations of nature, and the manifold marvellous methods she adopts. The trees, as we have already stated, do not all of them grow in every locality, nor will they live, many of them, when transplanted. This happens sometimes through a natural antipathy on the part of the tree, sometimes through an innate stubbornness, but more frequently through the weakness of the variety so transplanted, either the climate being unfavourable, or the soil repulsive to it. Chapter 59. Plants that will not grow in certain places. Balsamum will grow nowhere but in Judea, and the citron of Assyria refuses to bear fruit in any other country. The palm too will not grow everywhere, and even if it does grow in some places it will not bear. Sometimes indeed it may make a show and promise of bearing, but even then its fruit comes to nothing, it seeming to have borne them thus far in spite of itself. The cinnamon shrub has not sufficient strength to acclimatize itself in the countries that lie in the vicinity of Syria. Amumum too, and nard, these most delicate of perfumes, will not endure the carriage from India to Arabia, nor yet conveyance by sea. Indeed, King Seleucus did make the attempt, but in vain. But what is more particularly wonderful is the fact that most of the trees, by care, may be prevailed upon to live when transplanted for sometimes the soil may be so managed as to nourish the foreigner and give support to the stranger plant. Climate, however, can never be changed. The pepper tree will live in Italy and Cassia, in the northern climates even, while the incense tree has been known to live in Lydia. But how are we to impart to these productions the requisite warmth of the sun, in order to make all the crude juices go off by evaporation and ripen the resins that distill from them? Nearly as great a marvel, too, is the fact that the nature of the tree may be modified by circumstances, and yet the tree itself be none the less vigorous in its growth. Nature originally gave the cedar to localities of burning heat, and yet we find it growing in the mountains of Lycia and Phrygia. She made the laurel, too averse to cold, and yet there is no tree that grows in greater abundance on Mount Olympus. In the city of Panticapeum, in the vicinity of the Cimmerian Bosporus, King Mithridates and the inhabitants of the place used every possible endeavour with a view to certain religious ceremonies to cultivate the myrtle and the laurel. They could not succeed, however, although trees abound there which require a hot climate, such as the pomegranate and the fig, as well as apples and pears of the most approved quality. In the same country, too, the trees that belong to the colder climates, such as the pine, the fir, and the pitch tree, refuse to grow. But why go search for instances in Pontus? In the vicinity of Rome itself it is only with the greatest difficulty that the cherry and the chestnut will grow, and the peach tree too, at Tusculum. The Greek nut too is grown there from grafts only at a cost of considerable labour, while Tarasina abounds with whole woods of it. Chapter 60. 
the cypress. The cypress is an exotic and has been reckoned one of the trees that are naturalized with the greatest difficulty. So much so indeed that Cato has expiated upon it at greater length and more frequently than any of the others. This tree is naturally of a stubborn disposition, bears a fruit that is utterly useless, a berry that causes a wry face when tasted, and a leaf that is bitter. It also gives out a disagreeable pungent smell, and its shade is far from agreeable. The wood that it furnishes is but scanty, so much so indeed, that it may be almost regarded as little more than a shrub. This tree is sacred to Pluto, and hence it is used as a sign of mourning, placed at the entrance of a house. The female tree is for a long time barren. The pyramidal appearance that it presents has caused it not to be rejected. But for a long time it was only used for marking the intervals between rows of pines. At the present day, however, it is clipped and trained to form hedgerows, or else is thinned and lengthened out in the various designs employed in ornamental gardening, and which represents scenes of hunting, pleats, and various other objects. These it covers with a thin small leaf, which is always green. There are two varieties of the cypress, the one tapering and pyramidal, which is known as the female, while the male tree throws its branches straight out from the body, and is often pruned and employed as a rest for the vine. Both the male and the female are permitted to throw out their branches, which are cut and employed for poles and props, being worth, after thirteen years' growth, a denarius apiece. In respect of income, a plantation of cypress is remarkably profitable, so much so indeed, that it was a saying in old times that a cypress wood is a dowry for a daughter. The native country of this tree is the island of Crete, although Cato calls it Tarentine, Tarentum being the first place, I suppose, in which it was naturalized. In the island of Aenaria, also, if the cypress is cut down, it will grow again from the root. But in the isle of Crete, in whatever place the earth is moved, this tree will shoot up of its own natural vigour, and immediately appear above the soil. Indeed, in that island there is no occasion even to solicit the soil, for it grows spontaneously there, on the mountains of Ida more particularly, and those known as the White Mountains. On the very summit of these elevations, from which the snows never depart, we find the cypress growing in great abundance, a thing that is truly marvellous, seeing that in other countries it will only grow in warm localities, from which it would appear to have a great dislike to its native climate. Chapter 61. That the earth often bears productions which it has never borne before. It is not only the quality of the soil and the unchanging influences of the climate that affect the nature of trees, but wet and showery weather also, temporarily at least. Indeed, the torrents very often bring down with them seeds, and sometimes we find those of unknown kinds even floating along. This took place in the territory of Cyrenia, at the period when laser was first grown there, as we shall have occasion to mention when we speak of the nature of various herbs. The forest too sprang up in the vicinity of the city of Cyrene, just after a shower of rain of a dense, pitchy nature, about the year of the city of Rome, 430. End of section 6 Read for you by Chiquito Crasto, Birmingham, Alabama.